welcome to Respect My Crown, the podcast. I am Jillian J.J. Simmons, and I am so blessed to have this lady as a part of the show today. Josie Pickens, she is a professor at Texas Southern University. In addition to teaching, she is also an activist, a journalist, a cultural critic. I know that because I see her Facebook. She focused primarily on race and gender. Josie be talking about everything, y'all. She writes regularly for Ebony Magazine in both print and digital. This We're going to talk about that in a second, too. But And she's had her essays featured in The Atlantic, Huffington Post, in The Guardian, The Root, Mike News, and Rumpus. And when I tell you that Josie has been such an amazing inspiration to me and uh, and just helping me to find my voice, which is what we are talking about today, um, I just want to welcome Josie Pickens to the show. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited too. Me and Josie have been trying to do this podcast, y'all. <laughs> 5011 times. Is but what we, they are say. Here. we are here. We are making here. it happen today. So let's just start off with, you know, finding your voice. I was told that the best way to find your voice is to start with what angers you. What do you think about that? I think that that is a yes and a no. I mean, I think the root of that is passion right the things that we're angry about we're passionate about yeah but we can also find things that we are passionate about that we love and that we are happy about but i think as far as that push yeah if someone is not accustomed to speaking out that usually is the way in to move towards finally speaking up and speaking out it's like something that you can't contain it and you can't control it yeah you know sometimes when we're happy about things and we're passionate about other things we don't necessarily translate that into things that we need to give give voice to Mm -hmm. or give language to but when we're pissed oh yeah Like, have a bad experience at a restaurant. If you have a good experience, you are like, y'all, I ain't yeah. going to lead a good customer service right. I had today. But if something goes wrong... I'm immediately on Yelp. Yeah! Like, you know, <laughs> yes. I'm going to Yelp. I'm going to let the message on your website. Right. I'm yes. going to all my friends. Yes. I'm on the there. Twitter. Yeah, on the Twitter. Everything. Everything. Yeah. didn't... I need to speak to the manager. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Right now. Yes. We don't have a problem sharing when it's when it's something that angers us. But yes. then I wonder if I speak on what angers me, then do I as a woman end up having the angry black woman syndrome? Yes. It- <laughs> yeah, and is that it's, a bad thing? It's inevitable. <laughs> um sadly and unfortunately, and I think that that is just something that um people of color and particularly black people have to any disenfranchised oppressed people when they're speaking up against the types of systems of oppression that they deal with, they are going to be seen as lashing out, yeah. as angry. So that includes, you know, 
um, black men too and black women but yes black women particularly have that whole like neck roll sassy <laughs> angry black woman um, kind of moniker that just comes along with any type of ideas about using language effectively or yeah. speaking or yeah. um, I get it all the time Yeah, even from the people um, that you know, even from my friends or people that I, I respect and who respect my work. Yeah. You know, like, um, my friends would be like, oh, you know, or guys that I've dated, oh, you know, that neck roll, here you go with that, that neck, neck roll. roll. And I I'm like, like yes. I like your neck roll. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, or another friend of mine introduced me to someone a little while ago, uh, my friend Marlon, he said that she is a machete with flowers on the handle oh i love that that's I how he described it. me and i kind of struggled for a minute because i was like do i want to be a machete girl you be All slicing the time? dicing but you know it's just something that you have to embrace and understand that anytime that people um are generally seen as voiceless or when they are suffocated their voices are taken away from them yeah. anytime that they speak it's going to be seen as aggressive yeah. assertive angry yeah. and so I think that that's just something that we have to embrace as black women mm -hmm. and just choose to look beyond that and understand that um, Audre Lorde who is kind of the queen of uh, going from silence to to voice giving voice and using language says that in one essay that she wrote that anger is fueled by information mm. anger comes from a place yeah so yes i'm pissed yeah and yeah. there's a reason for it yep. and a lot of times when people say that you're angry um they don't want to talk about the root of that anger yeah. and why sometimes anger is justified yeah. right yeah. so yeah. that is when people are like, oh, you're angry. Yes. Yep. Yes, I am angry. And this is why. Yeah. I have a whole history yeah. of reasons and to I be angry. articulate it quite well while my neck is rolling. While my <laughs> neck is rolling and my hand <laughs> is in the air. Yes. I recently had to cut my nails down because I've been trying to get my fitness life together. So I, my nails don't click anymore. But I used to have the eye roll, hair oh, roll, man. and the finger nails clicking. Oh, that's so funny. All of that. I love it. With the facts. <laughs> With the facts. As well. <laughs> when you first found your voice, what did you first speak up on? Oh, man. You know, first of all, I have to say that um, even as a child, like my mother always says that as soon as I could learn how to walk and talk, I was running my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, I spent a lot of time in the summers in uh, southern Louisiana where my parents are from and my godmother, G, you know, took care of me. And, you know, she's like, as soon as she was old enough to walk, she was down the road. Yeah. I would sit with older people because I was all, I always wanted to listen to stories. I've always been in, interested in storytelling. But I wouldn't just sit. I would want to be a part of the conversation yeah. as like a four or five year old. <laughs> Uh, when I was in elementary school, um, I staged a boycott of the school cafeteria because oh. there was a roach found in like oh, some of the rice. Oh, 
Yikes. Girl, I was calling the news, trying uh, to set up a school conference. Got suspended. Uh, oh, parents are you had to, My parents had to take off <laughs> of work, go up to the school, and then um, I became known in the family as uh, Lil Angela Davis. Yes. That was fifth grade. Come through, Angela. Um, so organizing <laughs> and speaking has always been something that has come a bit easy for me. I think the challenge for me using my voice switched from, because I, you know, I started, I've always been interested in activism and standing up for myself and people who are like me. Um, I think the challenge came and the switch came when I started speaking about issues that affected black women particularly. Yeah. So as long as I was giving voice to issues that affected black people, Mm. And the black community. And yeah. oftentimes when we talk about issues that affect the black community, it is black male base. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if we talk about prison. Right. Prisons um, and the school to prison pipeline or, or issues with suspension in school or any of those things, we often center those conversations on black boys and black men. Yeah. Um, when I started speaking about intra-community or communal issues... Um, what is happening within our communities between maybe black men and black women. Or if we're going to talk about prisons, let's talk about how these statistics that we discuss with black men, there are correlating statistics that affect black women. If we're talking about school suspensions, that black girls are suspended at similar rates to the ways that black boys are suspended, Mm -hmm. then it became an issue. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's when the problem started. Wow, and how? I mean, so what happened? I w- I was very taken aback. Um, you know, I came to feminism and womanism through life practice and life experience, as opposed through an academic lens. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, I'd read bell hooks and and Audre Lorde and Barbara Smith and all of the uh, black women scholars who wrote about. Um, black feminism but it was through my lived experiences Mm -hmm. where I started saying hey you know we need to have more conversations about you know what is happening with women these things that are unfair because nobody is having these conversations and so I started writing about those types of things and speaking about those types of things and you know, I was called a bedwinch. Oh, wow. What? Oh, yeah, that was fun. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I was just thinking, too, like, you know, you have no problem voicing your opinions. Right. You're very transparent. Yeah. Which is what I love and appreciate, but some people can't handle that. They cannot. And I'm sure you deal with a lot of projection and criticism oh yeah you know so what do you say when you see people calling you those things oh yeah i mean you you know people would just say that i hate black men and that i am um it's almost like the black black lives matters right it's like exactly it's like because but all lives matter right yeah but this is what we're talking about right right now we're talking about my lived experience and i want to speak up for my lived experience because i noticed that when i started talking about 
you know, these issues that women would come to me, but often very quietly and secretly. So yeah. I'll get DMs or yeah. I'll get emails. Thank you so much for saying these things. Yeah. yeah. Because nobody has been saying that I've been feeling that. Yeah. You know, and so that kind of encouraged me to continue on the journey of using my voice and yeah. my platform to speak about those things, even when it was, you know, said that I was being divisive or yeah. that I hate black men. I still run into that, Yeah, you know, but I, I just remind them, you know, James Baldwin, one of my favorite writers of all times and thinkers says that, you know, if I, ca- I cannot love you, if I am not making you aware of what you do and who you are, Yeah, it's because that's love. It's love. Love is a call to action. Love is a verb. Love, I can't say that I love you. So, yes, I love black men. I love black people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I love humanity. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And so, if I'm speaking about issues surrounding race, it's because I believe that we, I want to see us as our greatest potential as a human race. Yeah. Right? And in order for that to happen, I have to address these issues. Yeah. Right? The yeah. same thing within our community. I I believe, um, you know, in the greatness of the black community, I believe that we have survived so many, you know, um, tragedies, so much trauma. And, you know, we have done that and, and still are magic, are oh, still yeah. creating and making such beautiful um, things and having such beautiful experiences, but we still have lots of work to do and oh, lots yeah. of room to grow. And some of that is, you know, relates to um, our relationships with one another. So in order for that to be better, we have to talk about we it. We gotta talk about it. You know? Um, it's not easy for a lot of people to be transparent and and you know you just mentioned it you know i the same thing happened to me last year when i shared a personal story and i received all of these dms from mostly women who and and there were a sprinkle of men who were like yeah i've been abused too and i've experienced depression thank you for speaking on it right for people like us where it comes natural to speak it's Mm -hmm. not that easy for others and why do you think it is that people are scared to be open and honest um i think because we live in a world that is so judgmental um and so many of us wear masks and we feel that we will not be accepted and honored and loved if we exist outside of those masks you know if we show up as our true selves yeah. that there is an issue with worthiness around that yeah. right that oh, yeah. when we show up in our in our brokenness mm-hmm. when we are honest about our past mistakes when we are honest about all of the ways that we've struggled then that makes us less lovable in some oh, yeah. way that that makes us less powerful in some way yeah um particularly for black women that type of vulnerability is seen as weakness mm-hmm. you know and so i think that that is definitely an issue of why people remain silent yeah um because speaking up about those things, like I said, can be seen as weakness. Oh, yeah. But then at some point you understand that, you know, true power comes in authenticity, mm-hmm. you know, comes in vulnerability. You know, Brene Brown has created an, an entire brand and franchise, and not in a bad way, mm-hmm. in a wonderful way about discussing 
our need to be vulnerable and how everything good that we want to experience, um, you know, everything that we create, um, all of our greatest experiences, we have to be vulnerable in order to create. We have to be vulnerable in order to become our higher selves. You know, we have to be willing to be open. It feels good to be vulnerable for me. Yeah. It feels good. It's not that it feels comfortable all the time. But once it's out and you Mm -hmm. feel this release. You do. It's like, ooh, all right. That's out there now. Yeah, because it's like, you know, people can't, you know, harm you or use something, your experience against you when you've already been honest about your experience. That's my favorite part, I think. You're right. (laughs) It's one of the reasons why, while I never really agreed with a lot of what Wendy Williams talked about, the one thing that I have appreciated is the fact that Wendy would put her stuff out there before you could. Right. So it was like, all right. Now what? Yep. So say something. Yes. Because <laughs> I already yes, told you. That happened. That was right. I was doing crack. Now right. Like, all right. right. <laughs> now say something else. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what, it, well, I can't, I can't. Like what? How do you respond to that? How do people who choose, who want to harm you, like respond to that? They don't have yeah. any any option but to shut up. Have you ever spoken out on something and wish that you had it or had to retract something that that you said? <laughs> you know, I was I was on Twitter pretty early, <laughs> so I'm sure if I went back over my like, tweets I from like my 2000. <laughs> Seven. I am sure that I, but you know, I remember um, just having a lot of, you know, being, being Southern, being raised in a very traditional household and having ideas that, that kind of connect to that being closed minded to a lot of um, issues. You know, I'm sure that I've probably said things. I don't think that I have yet to have to reckon publicly. But I know it's probably coming. (laughs) And I'm prepared (laughs) to just be like, hey, yes, I was homophobic or transphobic. Or I I said something else very crazy about another oppressed group. Um, You know, I was ignorant about... I'm sure a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that's evolving, right? Exactly. It's like, and I, it's I, I will be vulnerable and I will admit that, I, you know, yes, I said those things and they were horrible and yeah. I have grown and I'm so grateful that yeah. I have grown in these ways and this is how I've grown and this is what I've yeah, learned so and, and I take full ownership. Yeah, that's you good. Know? And that's so... Because I, I, I mean, we all have our days of reckoning. Oh yeah. Oh and, my god. You know, while I, I have yet to, you know, experience that. I'm, you know, I'm sure that, I'm sure that I have said some things that I would look at now and just be like, oh, if somebody pulled up an old, tweet, I'd be like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Girl, because they're out there <laughs> digging up tweets. But, they are. But clearly, if you're a president can tweet what he tweets uh, on a daily. Yeah. You should be just Because you know we have different <laughs> rules, honey. I know, and, right? seen, and I mean, I've seen, you know, that happen to some people that I know, some people that I'm, you know, close to. We all kind of started out together on the black Twitter scene. Yeah. You know, 
it many years ago. Oof over 10 years ago now, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and a lot of us have gone on to write and publish and speak and, you know, make it into all of these amazing positions. And our past has come back to oh, haunt yeah. us because it was just like a chat room. Yeah. Oh, back yeah. in the exactly. day. We were just talking. We were just, we were just talking. talking. You're yeah. right. Yeah. And You're now, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't what it is today. And we weren't thinking about, oh, you know, this dumb stuff that you're saying yep. is going to be recorded in the Library of Congress. <laughs> so we <laughs> could be able to go back and yeah. dig it all But up. I mean, we all have our own evolutionary process and we should be growing. Um, yeah. And as long as we're open to growing and open to admitting our mistakes and letting go of the hubris yeah. and the ego yeah. that oh, goes yeah. along with you know, not being able to own our mistakes yeah, and take ownership, so then good. I think that we should be fine. Social media has given the world a platform to speak their voice, whether it's good or bad. How has social media affected your voice, both positively and negatively? Oh, man. So... I always tell people that Twitter is kind of the origin story of how I um, became a, you know, a published writer, how I got into media, um, how I created a fan base. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, it was very unintentional. When I started on Twitter and using social media, you know, for, ugh, what is it, 2019? So that's like 13, almost 15 years ago. Wow. Um, it, like I said, it was like a big chat room. Um, I was able to, though, I use it as an escape at the time. At the time, I was in graduate school. I was finishing up my master's degree. I was doing a lot of academic writing. Um, but I was also struggling a bit with depression. Mm. Um, I was having a very difficult time trying to figure out who I was in all of these roles that I was taking on um, as a new mom, because I think Nayla was, you know, my daughter was maybe two or three years old yeah. at the time. Um, as a wife, which I am not anymore, so clearly that was <laughs> a rough time. So and I, you know, <laughs> and at, at some point, I think you know, around 2007, you know, I was moving towards um, what would be the dissolution of my marriage, mm -hmm. um, and I was so sad that I knew that my marriage was heading that way, and I knew that I wanted to somehow talk about how little I knew about love and relationships, about who I was, mm. about that journey, yeah. you know? How my relationship was a mess because I was a mess. Yeah. And nobody told me that, no, you have to be a whole person going into a marriage. Right. So really that's where a lot of the conversation started for me through social media. And once I started just vocalizing what I was going through in my journey towards self-love, in my um, journey towards love, period, I noticed that there were so many other people who were also on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so much so that, you know, editors would reach out and be like, hey, we want you to talk. We want you to write about this. Yeah. We want, and I mean, 
you know, some of it is, is kismet and some of it is just God ordering my steps because, you know, I have, my background is in writing. I teach writing. I um, have degrees in English and literature um, and I've always, you know, been awarded for my writing. So mm -hmm. I was always able to effectively communicate through writing. So, of course, that helped. But then thinking about subject matter and connecting it to storytelling, telling my own story yeah. first, yeah. and then moving on to tell the stories of other people and yeah. editors being in interested in the way that I told stories. Um, that is how social media helped, has yeah. helped me, I guess, build a brand. I'm still trying to wrap my mind yeah. around you are that brand. brand conversation. But you've been a brand. Because remember when I told you I met you at church? But yeah. when he said your name at church, he was like, this is Josie Pickens, a.k.a. Joe Nubian. I was like, Joe Nubian? That's the girl from Twitter. <laughs> and I was like, so you've been a brand for so long. You know what I mean? Without even knowing it, which, is, which know. is a cool way. I'm, I'm grateful that I got to experience social media before branding was a thing. Yeah. You know? Oh, I know. So all of the brands, you know, and your brand it's the same way. Yeah. We we got to build our brands authentically mm -hmm. by just being who we are. Yeah. And yeah. allowing people to naturally gravitate towards us. What's been the negative part of social media for you? Um being so vulnerable in public spaces in that way, writing about my life. Um, writing about my love experiences and then you know for people to be able to google you and know all of your business yeah. that's tough yeah you out there <laughs> out there yeah. Um, yeah and people have perceptions about who you are from um, what they know about you online um, and sometimes those judgments are not uh, true yeah and not authentic and um, and also, I am a bit of an extrovert introvert. And so there is this kind of work to always be on and put yeah. on that mm -hmm. can be very exhausting. Oh, yeah. It's very um, And then, you know, of course, there are people who are, when you write about race, when you write about gender, I mean, I've written about, I was one of the first writers um, to comment on, you know, Trayvon Martin's murder. Mm. Um, I wrote a piece um, on, you know, mothering black children in the face of hate. Yeah. Um, I wrote a piece on, you know, before Sandra Bland uh, died, I wrote a piece on how we need to talk about black women and their experiences with the police. Mm. Um, and so when you're writing about these these topics, people who oppose those conversations um, are, are awful, yeah. you know, and people can find you. People yeah. can um, have, you know, have access to information about you. Yeah. And if somebody is really good at the Internet, like yeah. they can find like there were times when I had to be mindful of like posting pictures of my daughter yeah. online or making sure that I having friends to remind me you can't put information that might lead someone to where you are. Right. Oh, yeah. You, you know, have to be extra careful. And so that cautious. that's the part that, you know, I've, I've had people like send me an email with my address. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. Girl. It's scary. It is scary. Threaten to, you know, since you, you know, you hate men so much, you need a good pounding. Oh, oh my threatened, gosh. Being threatened with rape. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. People are nuts. People are absolutely nuts. You get nuts. to see how nuts people are when you get on social media. Uh-huh. Because people, they feel this freedom to uh-huh. say whatever they would probably never say in person. Yeah. You know, they can say it there. So I've had those experiences and they've been scary, but I, I think that I am fortunate because I have friends. Um, you know, my friend Dream Hampton, who um, produced the R. Kelly documentary oh, yeah. for a lifetime, ended up having to move out of her home. Oh my gosh. And isn't it crazy when it's like you're telling a story mm-hmm. that is real? That is like, real. I'm not, and that is not a new story. It's not an, and it's not a new story. I mean, I've been writing about our, that Ara Kelly for years at this point, to the point yeah. where my editor was like, "Girl, no, we I gotta, can't. you gotta <laughs> let it you go. Like, you have to go. move on." It's but, hard. Um, with with literal layers and layers and pages and pages and videos and videos of yeah. of, of documenting this story yeah. of facts facts you know you know i was it's interesting you said that i was just talking to someone the other day and i brought up r kelly um and i told them i said back in 2004 when r kelly was nominated for an NAACP Image Award. Mm. I remember how angry I was because he had child pornography mm-hmm. charges against him at the time. And at the time, at the time that he is nominated for not R and B Star of the Year, but an NAACP Image, Image Award. Award. Mm-hmm. What does that say about how we feel about? sexual abuse in our community what does that say about how we value black girls in our community like it is it was sickening yeah and i and i remember at the time thinking how do those victims feel Mm -hmm. when you see an abuser being awarded Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i was like this has to be painful for people and it's one of the reasons why um, I continue to use my voice. Right. Because you got to speak for the people who can't speak up. And if exactly. people are listening to you, then I got I to gotta keep speaking. I have to. Yeah. I have to. And I think at a certain point, it becomes a call and not an option. It's a call. For you. Like, I don't and, have a choice. And all of the heaviness that comes with that call yeah. is the heaviness that comes with that call. It is. Girl, listen. If... You could snap your fingers right now and you were able to make an instant change in the world. What is that one thing that you want to see change right now? Oh, just one thing? Just one. Uh, All you get is one. (laughs) Can I collect all the isms together Uh, and erase them? Just one ism. Just one ism. (laughs) No, right? Just one of them. Just Ah. one. What, What is the change you could just... There it is. Here it is right here. Because she, she's an activist for so much, for so many. Oh, man, there's so many, so oh, many no. things that I'm just like, no. oh, we have to change this. Um. <laughs> and, and, and then we, we are saying the world. And I think if, 
I think the root of everything, um, whether we're talking about uh, capitalism and the abuses of capitalism, whether we are talking about things from a historical context, even the collection of isms, they're all kind of rooted in uh, white male patriarchy, white supremacy. So if I had to pull anything, I feel like that would be the domino that would make all of the other dominoes wow. fall. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, because, you know, particularly in the U.S., everything is founded on that yeah. and rooted yep. in that yeah. white male patriarchal power. When we look at what is happening now. If we look at what's happening with everything from Trump building the wall to mass shootings yeah. to, you know, every conversation that we're having, the root of it is this idea of um, white male power. Yeah. Um, it all Isn't goes it back scary? to that. Yeah. I feel like right now it's scarier than ever when you oh, yeah. are really, everyone, like, you know, I'm talking to different friends in different parts of the country mm -hmm. and everyone can feel the change. Uh-huh. People are saying things they would never say. You know yeah. what I mean? People are yeah. doing things and getting away with things that you're just like, how are, how is this happening? And somebody brought up something the other day that said that, you know, but this is how we know that change is happening and that these systems are dying. Because what do we do when we're dying or when someone is not there clinging to yeah. life? They're mm. doing everything that they can to continue their breath. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if we think about it from that perspective, it makes it a little easier, oh, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. this is happening. All of this, this, this rabid... Um, you know, racism and xenophobia and homophobia and like all of these isms, sexism, yeah. and we're whether we're talking about Me Too, whether we're talking about you know dismantling the prison industrial complex, or whether we whatever causes that we're talking about, even environmental justice, yeah, you know, it's all rooted in that same thing, and it is struggling to survive yeah. and that is why it is so rabid yeah girl girl that's a whole other podcast <laughs> hold on see what is it not okay to speak up um or is there ever a time where it's not okay you know i was having a conversation the other day with someone and i said that um there's there aren't conversations that we cannot have if we approach those conversations with compassion and care. Mm. Um, but then I also had a conversation this morning <laughs> um, with, you know, someone that I, I am dating. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm saying that uh -oh. on the podcast. Uh-oh, you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm saying her name, so. But, um, <laughs> you know, hopefully... You know, the next podcast will be, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I said to this person, I brought something up and I was like, you know, every, every, we don't have to talk about everything. Uh, there are some things that are best left unsaid. And, and usually those are things that, you know, are rooted in something other than our vulnerable truths. Give me an example. You know what I mean? Um... She's like, I don't want to bring up my situation. I want to live. I just said something. I have a habit of. <laughs> I 
I'm my mother's daughter. Speak okay? for a friend. If I, if I ever, <laughs> if I, if I ever, like, I am my mother's child. Yeah. And my mother is, my mother has a mouth. Yeah. As a matter of fact, <laughs> when, you know, when I got married, I remember, you know, my now ex-husband, um, who we are, we're still you know, good. We're great co-parents and all of that. Yeah. He had a couple of conversations with the men in my family, including my father, who was living at the time, and my brother. And the first thing my brother told him was, well, you know she got a mouth. Uh-oh, like, get ready. So, I don't have an issue <laughs> at all talking about the things that displease me in the world yeah. or on a personal level. Yeah. And so, what I'm trying to do <laughs> is find the balance in because I'm so good with words yeah. and because I'm so great with expressing my um, my issues with things. Yeah. Um, sometimes that could be just a bit much. So and is I'm it learning more about giving them grace. Is I think it like, I think it is choose more, your it, battles. I think it is about choosing your battles. Yeah. I think it is about stop pausing to consider why you are bringing this up. Yeah. Right? Are you really bringing this up because it's something that needs to be addressed? Or are you just annoyed and frustrated yeah. and you just feel like, I'm going to say it? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, that makes is sense. Is there, is there, when you are speaking this, the thing that you're speaking, what is the harm that it might cause? Yeah. To the relationship. Oh. That's something to think That's about. Good. Um, And that relationship could be any kind of relationship. Gosh, you're so mature. So yeah. Fun. I'm trying. But then also... <laughs> You know, we have to be mindful even in the way that we think about that because, you know, our primary uh, concern should be ourselves and our own healing and and reducing the traumas that we experience. So sometimes we will be silent and we're taking on traumas, trying to relieve others of trauma. Oh, yeah. And that can't work either. I was at an event where this man, I was so furious, Josie. This man was speaking... And bless his heart, I get it. You know, we sometimes we speak from opinion. Right. So he was saying, you know, and y'all women, y'all don't need to go into these relationships telling people about your past. And I was like, I just wanted to raise my hand so bad. We were, right. It was like a like a gay <laughs> And I'm like, excuse uh, me. Pardon me, pardon me pardon sir. Me. That's uh, not true. That's bold. <laughs> I'm serious because I was... <laughs> And I'm thinking, no, like, right. this is yeah. the problem. Yeah, this is why relationships aren't working now. Right. Because I haven't told you about my mm-hmm. past and my, my traumas, my triggers. Yeah. And you just up in here, just walking up and down my triggers. And I'm not saying anything. And, and then, and then all of a sudden one day. I snap. I'm crazy. Yeah. And so you're, you're yeah. right. You know, yeah. I get it. I get that. And so I don't think that there ever is a time when you should not speak. I yeah. think what we need to do is be thoughtful. And what I'm learning to do is to pause before I speak. You, you and cons- contemplate, <laughs> like, is this really necessary yeah. for me to say, or are you just being mouthy yeah, right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's something that, yeah. that I have to, which is the opposite of what a lot of women have to deal with, yeah. right? A oh, lot of yeah. women are more, so they have to really push to speak. With yeah. me, girl, yeah. this mouth will open up and I might say anything. I talk about your mama. That's why I love you. you. Know? That's so, why I love so you. I'm trying to learn the balance of, you know, don't be talking about that man's mama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is not helpful oh, to anyone so in this conversation. Oh, but yes, I love so, it. So, yes, I think that there's always space to speak. I think it is about how we speak yeah. and finding compassion um, in the ways that we speak, even if that compassion is for ourselves, and also figuring out what is beneficial about this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, I always leave the interview asking my guests to leave an affirmation. So it's I am, and then you fill in the blank and tell me why is it that you need to hear this? Mm. So one affirmation that I, I use often um, I have two. Can I do two? Just I'll one. I'll give you a two. bonus. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I am magic. I am magic. Um, mm. And um, I have a magic magic tattooed on my shoulder. Yes. It's always a great conversation piece um, because people automatically think that it's from Black Girl Magic. Yeah. Um, in which I know the sister who kind of coined that phrase and so much love to her. Um, but... My magic tattoo came from a quote from Intozaki Shange, Mm -hmm. where she says, where there is woman, there is magic. Um, And there's this whole conversation about this conjuring woman. Um, And I just think that that is something that we need to remember as women. You know, that we are magic, that we are... Um, the creators of not only life but so many other things like yeah. it is you know in in us in the root of us to to create yes um, and so that is something that I always try to remind myself when I am creating in all of the ways that I am creating whether it is through mothering or whether it is through um, podcasting and the radio show or whether it's through these conversations yeah. or my writing is that um, I am a conjuring woman. You are magic. Yeah. You are. Oh. No, for real. JJ. I'm serious. Thank I'm you. I'm so serious. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for being a part of my Respect My Crown podcast for the 18th time. Y'all I have love no it idea. so much. Y'all don't even know what we had to do to get here. <laughs> All right? And I will happening. do it another 1,000 times. Thank you. For you, JJ, because thank we love you. you so much and we appreciate you so much for creating um i'm me for creating respect my crown for being the change that you hope and want to see in the world and that you are making in the world thank you you're You're welcome how can people follow you hey so i am on um twitter although i keep trying to get my feet wet back into Twitter, but it's so loud. But I am on Twitter at, at Joe Nubian, J-O-N-U-B-I-A-N. I'm also on Instagram under that same um, username. Okay. So at Joe Nubian. I'm Josie Pickens on Facebook, J-O-S-I-E P-I-C-K-E-N-S and also while you are on the internet in the social media spaces go and go ahead and follow Love No Limit Show which is um, my podcast my award winning podcast because girl you know we got that award (laughs) from the Houston Art Alliance but um, we are on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Love No Limit uh, show. Okay. 
good. So, and uh, hey, go ahead while you on the internet again. Yeah, subscribe, yeah. subscribe to that Love No Limit show on iTunes. Um, we're on SoundCloud. We are on YouTube. So find okay. us and find oh, me and connect with me. I yeah. need to connect with you on YouTube. I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, y'all follow Josie. It's so I. I just uh, every day I'm like, what Josie talk about? Yeah, what's what she on here screaming about? I'm waiting for her. She at six oh one a.m. I'm ready to hear Josie's thoughts on Malik Yoba because I haven't seen that yet, and so Whoop. I'm. Has you posted about it yet? I have. Okay, all right. I'm headed to Facebook right now. <laughs> all right, love y'all, and thank you for tuning in to Respect My Crown, the podcast. <laughs>